everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. You know what today actually uh, not only celebrates the, the first Advent, it is to the day my second anniversary at New Market Alliance Church. Oh, oh, guys, no, no, please. Good. And uh, it's been a wild ride, and I'm grateful. And uh, you're a good... You're a good people. You're a loved people. Um, you know how when uh, a president uh, gets into office and like a year later, he looks like uh, 10 years older? You remember Obama? He looked so young and fresh-faced. And then a year later, he's like Morgan Freeman, you know? Uh, this was me two years ago. And uh, were we ever so young? And according to uh, calculations, this is what I'll look like a year from now. So that's, that's not good. All right, get that picture off there. What I think I should do is, uh, is shave and look like Mike Coles. Have you seen Mike Coles today? Woo! I was like, who is that young teenager, that good-looking stud? Um, what's in a name? Well, I want to dive into a new series in Advent, and uh, we're going to look at the names of Jesus. If you have your Bible, uh, maybe you could open up to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And uh, it's chapter 9, verse 6, and we're going to just jump right in as we start today. Um, I share in the excitement of several folks that I know of who are expecting a child, and, you know, we're trying to get those tiny treasure numbers up. And so, you know, grow the church the old-fashioned way, the, or- <laughs> the organic way, the, the fun way, all right? And anybody else want to announce a child that they're expecting here this morning? No? Good. Really? Jim and Kathy? Good. Oh, no. Kathy's shaking her head. Nope. All right. Let's move on. Some advice. Glenn? Maddie, okay, some advice, advice, naming, naming a baby, it's a complicated thing, okay, we, we've done it three times, uh, plus middle names, uh, we, had, we had names for boys ready, uh, just in case, um, we had our third child, uh, who we called third child for a while, we, um, we had a name all picked out, it was going to be Lucy, and then this baby arrives and uh, Vicky looks at me and goes, no, she's a Gracie. And so she was Gracie. And of course, Vicky was all hopped up on drugs at the time. So um, remember, my, and then Michael Jackson uh, named uh, one kid Blanket, you remember, and Prince. But it turns out he named all of them Michael. So there's, there's uh, Michael Joseph Jackson, and Paris Michael Jackson, Paris is a girl, and uh, Prince Michael Jackson. So he's, he seems like a normal uh, dude. Um, 
there are no, there, there, are, there are certain rules that you need to know about naming a child. For example, if you or your spouse ever dated anyone with a certain name, so that name is right off, right? Uh, if you knew anybody who's weird or mean or rude, those names are off limits. It's hard for teachers, right, to name a kid. And uh, word to the wise, uh, I'm going to get emails for this, but don't, don't involve your parents in this process, okay? They're, <laughs> they're going to turn up their nose, and they're going to mm, shake their head, and they'll be like, they don't like the new names, right? Clementine, <laughs> Kiwi, what are, like food, Brooklyn, like where the Yankees play. Mm. So the whole naming thing is, is a delicate uh, thing. And then you, you have to factor in that, that certain names mean something. Um, and you have to think through, does this first name sort of go with the last name? Like, like Glenn and Brittany don't want to name their kid um, Robin Robinson or, or Baskin. <laughs> I don't know why you would. I don't know. I don't know if, if, uh, if Maddie and uh, Brad have thought about what, you know, goes with Dunn. Like, Ima probably doesn't go well with Dunn. I don't know. My dad swore that he knew of somebody, uh, Harry Butts, okay, B-U-T-Z. It sounds a little too, you know, on the nose to be real to me, but I looked up some real names that they probably shouldn't have, they should have thought it through a little more. Like, um, there was a woman named Lois, last name Price. Lois Price, Lois Price. Um, there was one lady, Helen, and this is true, she married a guy last name Back. I'll give you a minute. And after 10 years of marriage, he said it was, it was true. So, yeah. The worst one I heard was uh, a, a girl named uh, Keisha May, and she married somebody with the last name Ash. I'll give you just a second on that one. <laughs> this is why we dismiss the kids at the, at the break. So you got to be very careful when, when naming kids. So this, this Advent series, we want to look at, at the four names prophesied about Jesus some five to seven hundred years before he was even born. And um, it, was, it was prophesied in a season and a time where there was lots of turmoil, there was lots of uncertainty, a lot of fear. Sounds a little bit like a season that we're finding ourselves in. And the prophet Isaiah said this, Isaiah 9 verse 6, a verse that you often hear at Christmas time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Here's the name of our series. And he will be called. What will he be called? Now, let's, help me read this out. Let's read it together. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today we want to look at that prophetic title of Jesus, that he would be called Wonderful counselor, wonderful counselor. And I don't know if everybody sort of likes what, what I like, which is sort of an etymology, sort of discovering the, 
the meaning of the words in the original language, but these, these two English words uh, come from two Hebrew words, Pele Yoaz. Uh, Pele, of course, means a great soccer player. Um, not really, not really. That's a, that's a boomer joke. And, and this is what it means, actually. Pele means beyond understanding, all right? It means too wonderful for words. And so when Isaiah was going to describe the one savior of the world, Jesus, he didn't have the words to describe him. And he, he, he used a word that means there are no words. I think that's beautiful. He's too wonderful for words. And yoaz is the word translated as counselor. Um, it means to advise or to consult or to guide. And so one day a son will be born, a child will be given to us, and his name will be Pele Yoaz, wonderful counselor. He, he is the God in flesh. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, and he knows you, and he cares for you, and he understands exactly what you're going through, and therefore he can be your wonderful counselor. I love the way it's described in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. He's speaking of Jesus, our high priest. Scripture says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to do what? Who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He's our high priest. He's our savior, our wonderful counselor. He's been through what we are going through. He's been tempted in every way that we have been tempted and yet was without sin. He understands your pain. He understands your hurt. He has experienced life as we have. And that's why verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? With confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when? To help us in our time of need. And some of you right now, if you were honest, you would say, I'm in a significant time of need. The, the good news is that there is one who is here to help. He is the Peleoes. He is Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor. So let's talk about Jesus, the wonderful counselor, because one of the things that a lot of people forget is that Jesus came for the sick, came for the hurting, he came for the broken, he came for those who were in need. Uh, he didn't come for the, the perfect, for those who have it all together. We talked about this verse a few weeks ago. I've not come to call the righteous, but who did he come for? I've come to call the sinners to repentance. You have to remember that Jesus is the wonderful counselor who comes for the sick hurting. So I'm curious this morning, where are you sick? Where are you sick today? Where do you hurt? Because truthfully, we are all sick in one way or another at one point or another in our lives, in one way or another. And just because, if for no other reason, then sin is at work in the world. And we all battle with weaknesses, with vulnerabilities, with strongholds and dysfunctions. Where are you sick this morning? And some of you try to mask and pretend like it's not there. Um, for some of you, it's obvious to the rest of us. 
where you're sick. So I ask you, where are you sick today? You know how the holidays can be uh, like a, a magnifying glass in some ways. It makes the good things seem better. It makes the bad things seem worse. Where are you sick this morning? It could be like so many people today that you are depressed. You feel anxious. You wake up every day and you're wondering how you're going to get through the rest of the day. And you have no hope, it seems, for tomorrow. And you wonder if it's going to get better. Other of you, you live in fear. You're always worrying, always expecting the worst to happen. And, and you live with this anxiety. Um, maybe you're looking at your to-do list and you're thinking, how am I ever going to get this done? Uh, how can I shop for everybody? I've got family coming over. I've got these meals to prepare. I'm supposed to have this perfect home. And it just fills you with anxiety. Some of you, it's maybe more of a financial stress. It's like we're already behind. We've got these bills that are due. And now we've got Christmas coming. And how are we ever going to do it? Where are you sick this morning? Some are lonely. Some are just lonely. You see a happy family and you go, why, why can't I have that? Why do I go to bed alone? Why do I eat alone? Um, I hate it. Some of you, it's more of a, a family sickness. You've got family problems. You don't want to address them. Instead of being excited about the holidays, you kind of you dread them. You don't want to be there. Maybe someone's hurt you and you're angry and there's been offense. You're obsessing about it. Where are you sick? We're all sick at different points in our life. So acknowledge yours today. Remember the good news that there's a wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus, and he came for those who are sick. So like every good pastor, I've got three things that I want to tell you. How? How do we let Jesus be the wonderful counselor? How do we find healing with the wonderful counselor? Well, three things if you're taking notes that we need to embrace. This is the first one. I think we need to learn to be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor. We need to be brutally honest with Jesus because, you know, frankly, a lot of us aren't. There's a, there's a story in the New Testament, and you can read all about it in John chapter 4. It's about a woman, and she's a lot like us, so many of us. She wanted to be loved, and she wanted to be accepted, and she thought, if I find the right person, then life will have meaning and it sounds like from the context of the story that she went from one dude to another dude to another dude and entirely gives up on marriage after a while and just ends up shacking up with the guy. And then one day, she's at a well, and she meets Jesus, who is obviously very different than the kind of dudes she's been with her life. And they end up having this very serious conversation, and he's treating her differently than she's been treated with sort of dignity and equality. But then he kind of puts her on the spot. Jesus says to her, hey, go back and call your husband uh, so that I can talk to him. Now, I have been in the so-called uh, counselor's chair. I've been in the, bless you, I've been in the so-called client's chair or couch in my life. And, and so I've seen people do this to me. And in hindsight, I realize how I have done this to therapists and counselors in my own life, pride 
or self-preservation or wanting to um, present the best version of myself, which we all do on some level if we're honest, um, can keep us from being totally, brutally honest, even with a counselor, right? The, the person that we are sometimes literally paying to be totally honest with. So we play this, we play this little game. We obfuscate the truth or we sort of dispense out the truth in little dribs and drabs. And you know what that, you know what that does? I think, I think Dave Clouk and Elizabeth Stanley, the coach, and um, Kelly Garby can back me up on this. Um, it just delays. It just prolongs getting the help you need. It, it just turns into more sessions and more money. And it really just delays the inevitable of getting to the truth, getting to that thing that can actually help you and heal you. And it's so ironic sometimes that the person you invite into your life, sometimes even pay to counsel you, you keep at arm's length because you're, you're so used to misleading others, maybe even misleading yourself. And so Jesus asked this woman to bring her husband to him, and she tells him, the truth in a way. I mean, she could have outright lied and said, well, you know, he's away on business or he's at the shop and he's not available right now. But she said in verse 17, I have no husband. And Jesus went on to say, yeah, that's exactly true what you say. The fact is you've had five husbands and now the guy you're living with, he's not your husband. And so if this woman at a well was trying to maybe hold her cards a bit um, obfuscate the truth a little bit. Jesus just just cuts to the heart of it, doesn't he? Just gets right to the point. And he says, I am the living water. I'm the, I'm the hope that you've been searching for uh, your entire life. If you don't understand this about Jesus, I, 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 you need to understand it today. Jesus knows it all anyway, doesn't he? He, you have no secrets from Jesus. You have secrets from your spouse, maybe, from your kids, from your coworkers. But Jesus knows every little thing about you. And hear me on this. He's still madly, deeply in love with you. And some of y'all think, I know you think this, oh, if they really knew what I was like, if they knew my past, if they'd known what I had done, um, they'd be so done with me. Well, guess what? Jesus does know everything about you, and he is especially fond of you, if I can quote the shack here. Some of you right now, you might want to be honest for the first time in a long time. There are, there are maybe some of you who decide to be honest today in a brutally scary, vulnerable way, and you might say, Jesus, I'm not even sure you're good uh, I've prayed and prayed about something that's very important to me, and you haven't done what I thought you should do, so where are you? And, and he can handle that. He can handle that. Some of you might need to be very honest about your marriage, and you might say, you know what, if God, if you don't do something, or if there's not a significant change in this relationship, we're in big trouble. Uh, it's time to be honest. And so some of you might say, you know what, I've got to, 
come clean about this. I'm, I'm addicted. And it's, it's got me, and it's bigger than I am, and I haven't been able to overcome it. Some of you might be honest enough to say, you know what, I've, relationally, I'm all messed up. I can't have intimacy, in, sorry, intimacy with someone um, because I was burned years ago. And I just don't know how to trust. I don't know how to open myself up. Um, I don't even know if it's possible to have that kind of relational closeness. So we've got to be brutally honest with, with the Pele Yoez, with the wonderful counselor Jesus. I, I haven't been awesome at this, I'll just tell you, in my own life. And I, and I actually want to model the kind of transparency that I believe we all need. You know, if you look on our website or if you see, see the pen in your front pocket, it has this little logo. It says, real people, real problems, real God. You know, and I want, to be, I want Nat to be known as an authentic people, a real people, you know, who, who aren't fakey fake, who, who don't answer every question with fine, fine, you know, that's the Christian F word, fine, yeah. And uh, as people, I want us to be honest enough to say uh, that we have real problems. Well, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. No, you're not. But could we, be, could we be honest and authentic with each other and admit also that we have a real God, a real God, a Pele as a God too wonderful to describe, a God where, where words can't do him justice. You need to be honest. Uh, deal with your sickness. I've shared some of mine in the past. I'm learning to cast my cares on him. Scripture says it this way. In fact, um, maybe help me read Psalm 55, verse 22. What we're told to do. We're told to, let's read this together. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. There are those of you that you just need to be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor, Jesus. Um, and say, I need your help. So that's the first thing. We need to be brutally honest. The second thing is that we've got to learn to listen to the counselor's voice, to learn to hear what Jesus, the wonderful counselor, might be saying to us. And in fact, uh, look, at, look at God's advice to his disciples in Mark chapter 9. You can read the whole story sometime. Jesus took three of his disciples to the top of the mountain. I got, I, I got to go to Israel and stand in this place where many believe this story happened. And God did this incredible miracle where God um, transfigured Jesus into this sort of glow-in-the-dark, beautiful presence. It's called the transfiguration. And then, and then the prophet Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain. And you can imagine the three disciples have never seen anything like this. And they're like, dude, we need to build a, an altar. Let's... That's what we need to do. But just as soon as the Elijah and Moses had appeared, they disappeared. And they heard then the audible voice of God. And what do you think God said to these disciples? Here's what God said in Mark 9, verse 7. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. And now let's say these three words aloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. If there's any three words 
that God might say to you today. It's listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Listen to what he wants to say to you. In fact, there's an Old Testament prophet who says, today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart. I say it to you, Nack. Nack, if you hear the voice of the Lord today, do not harden your heart. Now, you may be asking, how? How does he speak? Because I've never heard the audible voice of God personally. And I'm a you know, professional Christian, right? So, but I know he speaks. He speaks in all different kinds of ways. He's a wonderful counselor who speaks. I promise you he will speak to you um, through his word if you seek him through it. He may even speak to you today through the preacher. Um, he may speak something very specific to you. He may speak to you through someone sitting three chairs away from you. Maybe he already has spoken to you during our break time through somebody. Um, he may speak to you through someone at work who's not even a Christian. God could do that. He may speak to you on the way home as you're listening to a song. Or he may speak to you through, thir- thir- <laughs> through circumstances. Um, you know, 4,000, 5,000 words, I'm bound to hit a few. Um, open doors, closed doors, God uses that. And I believe if you kind of train yourself, you can, you can begin to hear his voice. You know, I have three kids, and I know if they're in a room of 40 rock teenagers, and, and they said, Dad, I, I, would, I would hear them. It would cut through the noise of all the other teenagers. I've, I've recognized their voices. Uh, what? <laughs> Good. Um, you can recognize the voice of the wonderful counselor and learn to listen to him. Here's what he says specifically in John uh, 10, 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We're We've got to be brutally honest with the counselor. We've got to learn to listen to the counselor's voice. And number three, above all, we've got to do what the counselor tells us to do. When he speaks, um, we've got to do what he says, even when we don't feel like doing it and, and don't understand why he's asking us to do it. But... We've got to do it even if it doesn't make sense to our natural minds. I'll, I'll give you an example, sort of a strange story. But when I was a kid and my mother's mother was still living, Grandma Schultz, she was in Cambridge. And uh, we'd go visit her and, and uh, she was in sort of an assisted living thing in Cambridge. My dad went to buy her a mixer at whatever the Walmart of the early 80s was, maybe Zellers, Kmart, Kmart, I bet you it's Kmart. And uh, he, he brings this closed box up to the cash register. And I know this is going to sound weird, and you may roll your eyes, but there was a voice that says to him, there is no power cord in that box. There's no AC cord in that box. It's taped shut. It's closed. He said, that's not right. Um, I'm, get thee behind me, Satan. Or, you know, it kept saying, there is no power cord in this box. 
He buys the mixer, goes to my grandma, opens the box. Does anybody want to guess what's missing from that box? Um, a small example, and maybe a silly one, but he repented in that moment. He said, God, don't ever let me ignore your voice because if it's the little things, like a power cord in a mixer box, I don't want to miss the big things about vocation, about relationships, about parenting, about wisdom. The good shepherd, you know, he may, he may tell you to do something that doesn't make sense logically, but, but do what he says because he's your good shepherd. He is a guide. He's a wonderful counselor. There's this obscure little Old Testament story, and you can read it verbatim in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. It says that there was a man named Naaman, and he's the captain of the army of the king of Aram. And it, it goes on to say that he's a great man. He's a brave man. He's a, he's a respected, uh, victorious warrior. He's called a valiant warrior. I mean, the guy sounds like a stud. But, but he was a leper. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so ADD. I'm so... That's why we don't have kids in the service, because I would be just talking to them. Now, we talked about leprosy a few weeks ago, and maybe, um, maybe Naaman wasn't full of leprosy the way that example was a few weeks ago. Maybe he's not riddled with leprosy, but um, we know that leprosy um, has a downward trajectory. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. So maybe he's at the beginning stages of it, but I bet you his soldiers are keeping a distance from him. I'm sure his family is keeping a wide berth around him, and it's probably getting worse. I think the only advantage is as a soldier, maybe he gets in the enemy's face and you know rubs his arm on their head or something. It's like, you got leprosy, bro. And but that other than that, everything else would kind of suck having leprosy. And so he hears about a prophet in Israel, Elisha. And the rumor is if if anything or anyone could heal him, it's this guy, Elisha. And so Naaman loads up this entourage and he brings uh, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 fancy outfits. And by the way, I looked up what 10 talents of silver is. Are you ready for this? 750 pounds of silver. So that's why he has the entourage, I imagine. So he rides up to Elisha the prophet's house. A prophet is someone, right, who speaks on behalf of God. And he's come bearing gifts. He's desperate to be healed. And Elisha doesn't even bother to come out of the house. He he just sends out a servant. And the servant says, "Um, my master tells me to tell you that... um, you just need to go down to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times. You know, the leprosy will go easy peasy. Now, do you think this makes Naaman happy? It does not make him happy. In fact, it says in verse 11 that Naaman was furious. And he's like, he didn't even come out of his house. And he didn't even accept my gift. And the way I pictured was that he was going to come over and just rub his hand over it, and then it would be, you know, abracadabra, it would be done. Oh, and by the way, um, he wants me to go down to the Jordan River. Are you kidding? I don't think so. And he actually says that, you know, something like, 
there are way nicer rivers. Like I can think of two right off the top of my head. And so he's angry. He goes away deeply offended. There's that word again. Now here's what I think is going on here. The wonderful counselor speaking through the prophet Elisha knows this guy's specific sickness. I don't mean leprosy. I mean he knows his real sickness, his pride. And everything about the cure involves himself humbling. He needs to humble himself. And God pinpointed that particular vice that Naaman needed to work on. And Jesus would do the same, right? He, he has a man that comes to Jesus, and, he's, and, and the man says, I've done everything right since I was a kid. I kept all the rules. I've gone to church every Saturday. I've been kind to people. What else should I do? And Jesus knows this dude's heart, and he knows the idol that he's made out of money. And he says, well, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. The Bible says that the guy went away sad because he just, he couldn't do it. He was unwilling to obey the wonderful counselor. See, Jesus, Jesus knew this guy's sickness, and Jesus knows my sickness, and he knows the prescription too. So a servant calls out Naaman on this, and he says, you know, master, like, if Elisha had asked you to do something heroic, like scale a castle or kill 100 men on your own, you'd have no problem with that. So this is like 100 times easier, and you could probably use a bath anyway. Why don't you just like, why don't you do it? So Naaman begrudgingly did it. He dips himself seven times in the Jordan, and it says in verse 14 that he was restored and that he had skin like that of a young boy. His skin was healed, and I can't help but wonder, it doesn't say this, but I wonder if maybe a deeper part of his psyche was healed a little bit that day. That, that prideful part, that controlling part, that, that part that was starting to believe his own good press. When the wonderful counselor tells you to do something, you do it. You do it, even if it's something you don't want to hear, because Jesus loves you. And he wants the absolute best for you. Jesus, because he loves you, may even tell you something you need to hear that you don't want to hear. I don't know what that is for you. Uh, some of you, Jesus may speak to you very, very clearly and tell you you need to break up with this person because they're leading you away from God. And you don't want to hear it because you're comfortable but he's only speaking truth to you because he loves you. Some of you uh, financially because of the bad decisions you've made or because of things beyond your control uh, are in a tough spot. And he may be saying to you, you know, it's time to downsize. You've got too much house and, and you don't want to hear that because he's going to tell you this only because he loves you. Some of you, you've got this whole second life going on. You've got secret addiction stuff. And you'll never ever have the marriage that Jesus wants you to have until you do something about it and come clean. Confess and be real, be transparent, be vulnerable, bring your real self. So when he speaks, you do what he says. And um, by the way, the wonderful counselor 
often uses good human counselors in your healing, doesn't he? Um, He speaks through them. So maybe what you might need this morning is a good human counselor. Maybe some spiritual freedom counselors. And maybe we can refer you to someone. Or maybe if it's a financial issue, we can help you out with the costs. Or maybe for some of you, it's just a good friend. Um, But ultimately, there is one whose name is Jesus, and he is the Son of God. He is the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting Father. And he is the Pele Yoes. He's the wonderful counselor. And this counselor, who is so great that there are not even words to describe him, there are no words, you need to be honest with him. You need to listen to him. You need to do exactly what he says to do. Amen? I want to close with a specific song, and maybe I would even, I would even pray these lyrics over us today. God, um, we just want to offer our heart to you, Lord. Here's my heart, Jesus. Now, would you speak what is true? I am found. I am yours. Thank you I'm loved. Thank you that you've made me pure. I can have life through you. I can breathe. I am healed. I am free. So here's my heart, Jesus. I offer it to you. Speak what is true. I thank you that you are strong. You are sure. You are life. You endure. You are good. You're always true. You are the light of the world breaking through. Here's my heart, Jesus. Here it is. As blackened and as hurting and as sick as it is. Here it is, Jesus. Speak what is true. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, I pray. Will you stand with me as we sing this? It's a powerful thing when together we gather as the people of the Lord and we say, uh, speak to my heart. I just feel like I saw this powerful river of life like flowing towards the people in this room, towards all of us, the children of God, those who know him and those who are on a way to still knowing him more deeply. I just want to speak a word of encouragement, whether it's for one person, whether it's for many people. I just want to uh, be honest before the Lord. I want to listen to his words, and I want to do what he says. And uh, I just want to speak a word of encouragement deep into your spirit. The Lord wants to say to you, your hard work of service is over. The Lord wants to speak tenderly to you. A word of encouragement, a word of life. You can endure. You can live through this. You can experience the tenderness of the Lord. You can experience the life of the Lord in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your pain. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus is with you. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you speak a word that says you are with us. You're walking with us, speaking to us, singing words of life over us. You are with us. Lord, let your presence change us. Let your presence change us.
You're walking with us, speaking life over us. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Allow your spirit to be encouraged. Let the Lord God of joy breathe joy into your circumstance. Pain and joy can coexist. Lord, I just pray you would speak into the deep recesses of people's hearts. Lord, where there's cracks, I just pray for your joy. I pray for your light, your peace, and your love. And I just pray over this, my friends and my family, Lord. I just pray over the holiday season, Jesus. I just pray over the season, Lord. Where there's normal family conflict, frustration, and joy. We just pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to lean into you. Yes. Just be your kids. You don't expect perfection from us, Lord. <laughs> be encouraged. Yes. That's for somebody this morning. I believe that. So church... Today, if you hear the word of the Lord, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart. So isn't it great that we don't have to come to church to get Jesus? Jesus is with us, and we get to leave the church with him and take him to our workplaces and our school. I want to thank you for coming to church, especially on a day. Oh, we may have to live here now for the weekend. <laughs> All right. We've got a kitchen and a bathroom, and uh, we'll sink shower. It'll be fine. Thank you for coming, but um, as much as I'm glad that you came to church, what I really challenge you to do is go be the church. Remember, we have prayer available, and this might be the perfect day to do that. Be honest with someone. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Pelayoas, your wonderful counselor. You are a love people. This has been just a great two years, hard in many ways, but not because of this great church. You have been a wonderful church to me, and I hope I can be half as good to you as you have been to me. God bless you.